Hey, welcome to Brand Start, the podcast about starting your own brand and growing your business. I'm your host, Leonard Grape, and in the show, we talk about the entrepreneurial journey. From imagining your first idea, taking the first step, and the challenges, lessons, failures, and successes that entrepreneurs face in building a brand. We started this podcast because we want to help. And if we can inspire even just one of you to pursue your entrepreneurial dream, then all of this is worth it. Hey everybody, it's Leonard Grape and welcome to another episode of the Brand Start Podcast. Today, I'm talking to the founder and CEO of a company called Just Rent a COO. It's a strategic business management agency that helps founders, creators, and leaders run their businesses on autopilot. She has helped several clients, including CEOs belonging from Forbes 30 Under 30 and Inc. 500 founders. She has successfully grown and continues to grow her company, all while traveling the world and fulfilling her role as a new mom. Here with me today is Jomi Casas. Jomi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Leonard. I'm so happy to be here. And you know, I was so excited when Mavic told me that I was going to be in a podcast interview with a fellow Filipino. Oh my gosh, represent. Kudos <laughs> to that. Of course, first of all, thank you so much for taking time today. I'm really very excited. You're currently in Germany, so I really appreciate that you are able to schedule this interview with me, despite the obvious time differences, right? <laughs> oh, thank you. But it's not so bad, though. I mean, it's morning here and it's afternoon there, so we were able to find a sweet spot, thankfully. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. I'd like to start our conversation by asking, how did you start your brand, Joni? Which brand? <laughs> yeah, well, this for is this my second question, yeah, this is really more about just rent as you first, and I'll make sure that I'll definitely talk about your previous brand. Okay, so this brand came out, well, I didn't really have a brand in the beginning. So at the beginning, I was just freelancing while I was traveling. So in the middle of my travels, when I left the country, I realized, oh, hang on, okay, I need to start earning money again. And second, I was getting bored with traveling. Okay, that might sound a bit weird, but you can't go sightseeing forever in your life and do nothing else. (laughs) Especially if you feel that, okay, you've filled up your cup and now it's time to, okay, I want to start creating again. I want to start doing something more with my life. And so I started picking up projects. And because of my background with my previous company, because I have built a previous business, Other people were curious with how I did that and if I could help them in their entrepreneurial journey as well. It was was a process. It wasn't something that started out that I woke up one day and, oh, let's build this brand and I'll help people run their businesses. No, I tried a couple of different things and this is kind of where I landed and this is where I figured out, okay, this is where people really struggle and this is where you know, it's, it's really easy. It's really, well, okay, quote unquote, really easy. It comes, yeah. <laughs> it comes much easier to me compared to like other people. Like I like running businesses. I like operations management. I like getting things organized and getting things done. So that was the niche that I kind of found myself in. And because I was working with small business, they couldn't really hire people full time. So mm-hmm. 
that's where the idea, oh, then why don't you just like, like rent me, <laughs> like rent, you know, it's kind of like how you would use something um, short, not, not, not even short term, but fractionally. And I didn't want to call myself, oh, a fractional COO. So I made it a little bit more playful, rent a COO. And that's, yeah, I think that's, that's how, really that's cool how it name. started. <laughs> that's a really, really yeah. cool name. I think immediately yeah. you can see what you're trying to offer there. It's always fascinating when I hear successful entrepreneurs talk about starting their companies without really the intent and even an idea. In your case, you didn't even have a brand. I'm also curious, how did you even think about brand name calling yourself Just Rent the COO? Um, it seriously happened randomly. I was just chatting uh, with other entrepreneurs like me, and we okay. were kind of just brainstorming together. I was part of a mastermind at the time. So a mastermind is um, like a group of you and other entrepreneurs where you kind of mm-hmm. like brainstorm together and help each other with your business problems. Um, so I was part of that at the time. And it just came up in one of our sessions. I, I'm not sure what the topic even was, but peer groups like that really, really mm-hmm. help move your business forward. And in my case, you know, it was in one of those sessions where I just came up with it out of the blue, like brainstorming together. So, yeah. So that was your eureka moment. So interesting, yes. <laughs> like how you have a really nice name and there wasn't even like a serious process behind it, right? Yeah, I think that's how it is when it's the same case for my company, to be honest. When I thought of the vineyard, in fact, I didn't even have a business plan, but there was an opportunity for my first client and then I just needed the name. And my surname is obviously Grape. And I thought maybe the vineyard would be a cool name. So I think that's also a good realization for our listeners that sometimes if it's already there, it's your eureka moment, just go with it, right? Yes, and it works. I mean, like your your agency is into content and social media, and, and yeah, and I mean, it fits. It fits the yeah. name fits with you, and the name fits with the business that you do. And yeah, sometimes that's I'm, that's really all you need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if I'm being honest, at the, the beginning, I didn't really think about that uh, that way. Okay, just a little more about your brand. Also, in your logo, I noticed in your brand identity. Of course, you have just rent a COO there, but in sort of a stamp design. Your name, Jomi Casas, is also there. Is that intentional? Is that part of your brand strategy yes. at all? Uh, yes, it is. That's mostly because a lot of my brand rests on my story, my background, and that's how I was able to hook a lot of my customers based on that story, you know, what I was able to do with my business and my life previously so they could relate to that. Um, these mm-hmm. are people who had similar journeys who were either, you know, at uh, usually ahead of me and so that they, they wanted someone who fit their profile in the sense that they could be like a mini version of them and mm-hmm. I would say that somehow I fit I don't want to sound too pretentious but somehow I fit the bill in the sense that when I say I am entrepreneurial I am actually entrepreneurial I have actually walked the talk I actually walked the talk I have built a successful business and usually that's what my client's want to have on their side, someone who actually understands what it is like to be a business owner, what is it like to run a business and the problems, the good and the bad that come with that. And so it was pretty essential to stamp my name onto mm-hmm. rent a COO, just rent a COO, so that I could bake my story into the brand. And so I just carry on that same standard with my team as well. I hire people who also have an entrepreneurial background. So not just someone who wants to be an entrepreneur, but 
someone who actually already is or has been. So Mm -hmm. it's the same thing that I follow with my team as well. So it kind of became an aspect that was baked into my brand, basically. I think that's really very smart and and really very creative. Uh, A lot of founders sometimes just focus on the corporate brand, uh, but it probably matters that you also have your, your personal touch on it. In your case, it was really very lodged on, on your personal story. Uh, I also like to go a little deeper in terms of the term autopilot. I know I'm a CEO myself and I know how running a company, Jomi, means wearing different or even all types of hats, overseeing and integrating several parts and pieces. First off, what do you mean when you say running a company in autopilot? That's a really good question, and I'm glad that you asked that. So when I say that you run a business on autopilot, first of all, I just want to say that it does not mean that it's passive business. That's not what I do. It's definitely Mm -hmm. not passive. Just like if you would ride a plane and the pilot puts the plane on autopilot, the pilot is still there. The pilot is still there to jump in when he's needed, but he doesn't need to be there every minute, every second, switching buttons on and off because it's on autopilot. So more or less, that's what we want to achieve for our clients, and that's what we actually do for them. So we take care of a lot of the busy work and a lot of all the other stuff that they don't want to do so that they can jump in only when they are needed and only when they want to. So that's what it means. Okay. Would it be more focused also on in terms of establishing systems, or is it really all about outsourcing support and help? I'm actually just really it's- very curious about it, Yomi. It's all of that, actually. So it would depend mm-hmm. on what the client needs. Um, a lot of it is, of course, establishing systems. That's part of it. That's probably, I would say, the last part of it. Outsourcing and building their core teams is also a big part of that. So it's all of that mixed together. And we kind of craft a custom solution for each client, depending on what stage of business they're in. And it usually doesn't mean it has to be something like really big, like a big solution. Most of my clients, Mm -hmm. like I told you, are small businesses. So oftentimes if we would build a team for them and create processes for them, these are processes that can be done by a handful of people. And the team that Mm -hmm. we build for them are not always full-time. Like maybe they'll have one or two, sometimes not even. All of them are outsourced freelancers. So they have technically no full-time person on their team. So it really depends. The solution will completely depend on the person, on the business, what they want to do, what they don't want to do. Okay, really fascinating. And thank you for that answer, Jomi. Talking about your clients, you've worked with small businesses, but big clients as well, like with the likes of Alexandra Catoni of Copy Pose, Mackenzie Barth was recognized by Forbes 30 Under 30, even AJ Lawrence was part of Inc. 500 Entrepreneurs. How are you able to land them as your clients? I think that's a really great feat, Jomi. <laughs> Thank you. Um, like I said, I used my background a lot. So I really crafted that into my story, into my pitches with them. So I found them by pitching them on freelancer platforms. Okay. That's where they were recruiting for help. And I was freelancing at the time. Like I said, I didn't have a brand yet. Like this brand came up. This year, I started my agency just this year. So it's really, really, really new. And before that, I was just a traveler having fun. I wanted to work with other entrepreneurs. And that's just what I did. In my mind, I was just having fun. I just wanted to, I wanted to work with people who inspire me. That was, that was, that's what what I wanted. I wanted to travel. (laughs) I wanted to work with entrepreneurs who inspired me. I already knew from the very beginning after I left my country 
after I left the Philippines, that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to surround myself with other entrepreneurs, both, you know, in the teams that I work with and in the clients that I work for. And so that's how I ended up with, with, with this business. And so to answer your question, I would just tell them a story. I would tell them, okay, this is what happened in my life. I had a previous company. Um, I ended up running it one day a week. It became quite successful, more successful than I thought it would be. And then I left mm-hmm. it to travel. And then there were just so many, what, what, what? You did what? In that, in that yeah. story that it really set me apart from other freelancers. So mm-hmm. I wasn't just talking about, oh, I'm able to do X, Y, Z. I have an MBA or I, I don't have one, by the way. But I mean, I would assume my competitors would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My competitors would. Yeah, so that experience of actually walking the talk was the one thing that really, really set me apart. And not just walking the talk, but I was able to, you know, not just build a company, but build a company that was successful. So that was that was that was a huge deal. And so that really pretty much uh, set me apart from, I, I guess, <laughs> from no, all really, the other all, yeah, all really, the other freelancers out there. Really great. I think what you just said proves the power of brand storytelling, I guess. Uh, in your case, you're really able first to understand the audience that you want to, to appeal to and then your own story really resonated well with them because you yourself, as an entrepreneur, you know really the, the dirty work, so to speak, in, in building a company. And I think you did well. Uh, I, I even read your, your website. It really appealed to me, Joey, as, yeah. as a CEO. So I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's really true. critical, right, in terms of how you want to, to do your brand messaging um, did you even start in terms of this is the the type of audience that I want to appeal to? This is really the story that I want to tell them, or it's the other. I think it's the other way around, right? You just really wanted to tell your story, and then things went on from that. I wanted to tell my story. Bottom line is, it can't be all about you either. So mm-hmm. when I when I was pitching to these clients, I also had to put myself in their shoes and ask myself, okay, what is it do they want? And how can I position myself as the person that they want? Mm -hmm. So that was how it came around. So I would start maybe with like my story, but I would always somehow weave it. it, I would weave it into the my, what I would assume their dreams and their hopes are. And this is where um, the understanding of the entrepreneurial journey really comes in because I have been through that journey. I am able to speak their language, so to speak. So I am able to say, mm-hmm. get in their heads kind of, yeah. and really say, okay, like this is what they're probably dreaming and this is what I can help you with. And I know that because I was in the exact same position. I've, I've had a business before. Yeah. I wanted the exact same thing. So most likely this is also what you want, kind of. So. Really amazing. I think that's that's a masterful way of telling a story. And for, for other people, probably all they'll think is how you can sell. But as you said, mm-hmm. it's really not about selling per se. It's largely all about telling a story and making sure that your audience get to resonate with the story that you're telling. So really great answer. Question, Jomi, have you always been an entrepreneur all your life? Um, If you ask my friends, they would probably say yes. I didn't even realize it, but yes. (laughs) Um, Once I told them that, oh, you know, starting a business, even with my last company, then now I have another business. Mm -hmm. They were like, yeah, I knew it. I mean, in high school, you were selling cookies. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Even at a young age, like I was selling, you know, random, random stuff to make money. And for me, it was whatever. No, I'm, I'm good at it. I, I, I like it. So I forgot about that. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> okay. To them, it's like, yeah, we knew it in high school. You were already doing business. So really great. So you never worked for any company? You never worked for any company at all, I guess? Oh, I did. I did actually. Okay. Uh, when, when I came out of college, I worked in corporate for, I think about four months, a whopping four months. <laughs> Wow. Not even six months, Jomi, huh? <laughs> I couldn't. I just couldn't. It's just, I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in. I wasn't, um, uh, I got into trouble a, a few times. I just didn't fit. I just didn't fit. My thinking, my the way the way I work, the way I think just doesn't fit in that, in that environment. And it, um, yeah, it just didn't work out. <laughs> but it's a good, it's a good thing that it didn't work out because he ended yeah, up, um, you know, starting other things. And I think it, it was you. You were fortunate that right at the very early stage of your career, you immediately realized that you're you're not set for for the typical corporate. Of course, there's nothing bad with with corporate job, oh. but if you're an entrepreneur, then you really have to pursue that. Okay, I'd like to shift gears with our conversation, Jomi. And I feel personally that you really have a very inspiring and at the same time, interesting story. You've mentioned this a bit, not so long ago before just rent a COO, you were running a successful six-figure dollar, six dollar lingerie brand. Can you share what that brand is first? What, what's the name of your company before? Okay, it's called Party Gal Lingerie. So it was a lingerie company that I, um, I started with a friend of mine. And then later on, uh, my sister um, hopped on board as well as a partner. Mm-hmm. So there were, three, there were three of us, although I was the, still the majority owner. So I was still mainly um, running, running most of the business. So we sold lingerie in the Philippines and it really started out I don't want to say hobby, but more like a joke. Like it's like, oh, let's start, let's start something fun. You know, let's start a lingerie business. We we love costumes, we love sexy clothing. And there was this whole stigma in the country that mm-hmm. you know you have to be conservative about what you wear and all that. And I, I wasn't <laughs> and I, okay. I, I really I really didn't like that. I didn't like that. Okay, what are these, what are these um uh, restrictions you're trying to put on me? I didn't like that. So that's kind of how it started, like a like a rebellious brand, so to speak. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I didn't want it sleazy. Like I wanted it, you know, cute and fun. So the tagline was, it's fun to be sexy. I wanted to remove the stigma stigma from uh, wearing sexy clothing. And like, well, what if I wanted to do it because I want to look cute, period. So okay. <laughs> there, there's, nothing, there's nothing else to it. I just want to look cute. So it's fun because it's fun. So it's fun to be sexy. And it kind of caught on. We had a few celebrities um, buy some of our stuff, use them in wow. photo shoots. So I know. <laughs> Again, this That's is really where great, it, huh? it, 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 and that was organic. It, that was organic, Jomi. Yes, didn't um, I didn't reach out. No, I didn't reach out to them. They 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 just they just found um their I don't know their publicists or whoever okay. someone who works for them found us and just got our stuff. So. <laughs> Like I said, it's all in the marketing. We don't market it as sleazy. So it doesn't, you know, it's okay for celebrities to wear them. They're not going to be associated with a sleazy brand. So yeah, I think that that's, that's I think that's a really great delineation, right? You you wanted to offer something not within the traditional uh, mindset of the market, but you were also very, I'm not sure if this the right term is strict, but you were very clear, rather. You were very clear that this is sexy, it's sexy and fun, mm-hmm. but it's not sleazy. Um, yes. Just to put context, Jomi, before I get to, to my 
big question. If you don't mind, just to provide the context for our listeners, I know that that brand became a really successful one, but can you share what was your like average monthly revenues or range of your annual revenues for that company? It was it's it it did it did pretty well. Yeah, it did I think, pretty well right? considering it was like a small <laughs> a small with just a small. We had a very tight small team, and it like worked. how many were you in the team? Um, at some point, I had one, two, three, four, five full-time staff because I still needed a physical, a physical office, a physical storage space, you know, with a small warehouse. And we were so mm-hmm. proud of that small warehouse. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, because yeah, so it was it was a, it was a very small operation, but it we, we were really able to build. Um, I would say, quote unquote, big brand, um, and, and at least. In, in the niche that we were working in, like we built a name for ourselves in that niche. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of loyal customers who would keep coming back. So marketing was really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, money was money. Of course, the money results are a big part of it, but um, it was the fandom that came from it. That was mm-hmm. really what I would call the successful part of that business, like building that fandom around the brand. That's what mm-hmm. I'd say was the real success. Okay. So you've built a really successful business. It, it's really a successful brand. As you said, you're, you had a fandom, you had a community, but the clincher here is you walked away from that company and decided to sell everything. Can you share more of that story, Jomi? Hi. Thank you for listening to Brand Start. We're pausing a bit for a quick message. Are you thinking of starting your own business? Do you have an idea for your brand? Or are you someone who needs help in growing your business? If yes, then you are in need of a branding and communications company to support and help you with your journey. The Vineyard Brand Consultancy can provide you with personal support from its team of brand strategists, communicators, and designers. They will help you develop a brand and communication strategy, create your brand identity and design, and ensure that your business resonates with your audience through effective brand communications plan. If this is something that you need, please head on to www.thevineyardbc.com forward slash free brand call to start. Again, that's www.thevineyardbc.com forward slash free brand call. Now back to the conversation. Well, it's a very long story, first of all, <laughs> but okay. it wasn't just one thing that happened like, oh, you know, this happened and then suddenly I just walk away from my business. So it was a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, it was mostly, I was stagnating both in business and in life mm-hmm. in the sense that I felt I wasn't growing anymore. I wasn't happy with where I was in my business it felt like okay I've done what I could do in this line of work and I feel like there is something next for me there is something bigger for me and it definitely mm-hmm. was a difficult decision to make because one I had employees <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. something that oh I just let's just shut it down and then walk away and then everybody's happy no that's not that's not the reality the reality there is I had a team so what do you do with that I mean, Mm -hmm. before I closed, I had to, I wanted to make sure that I could help them get jobs after. So I did help them. Mm -hmm. I did help them with that. I don't know if all of them actually got, got a job after that, but I was able to at least provide them deeds um, Mm -hmm. in different, in different places. And I think now they're all working again. So, well, it's been years after they're all working again and we're still in touch. (laughs) 
That's good so, but that hear. was that was a huge part. That was a huge part of, of why it all it also made it tough because once you build a successful company, it's not about you anymore. I mean, and I have these these five employees, but I also had other contractors as well. You know, part time people, and it's it's easier with the part time people because they have other clients as well. But yeah. your full time employees are your more or less your responsibility. I agree. So, yeah. That was tough, but at the end of the day, um, you have to do what's right for you also as the business mm-hmm. owner, especially since you lead the team. And if your heart's no longer in it and you can no longer lead the team, lead the business the way that you know that it should be done, then there is no point. And I couldn't appoint a successor either. My partners all had different careers. Neither one of them could take over. And I would say, okay, I need to step away now. I need to do Mm -hmm. something else with my life. They couldn't either because they also stepped away. They also did something else with their careers and they created great careers for themselves and so it's like okay hang on now it's my turn now like I want to do something Mm -hmm. else now so that was kind of it you know it was like me realizing that it's time it's just time no it's really it's really great Jomi and I think it's it's very inspiring in a way that you realize that sometimes it's really not just all about the money right Um, it's also really not just about being able to to lead a successful company I love when you said that when you felt that you can no longer lead it the way you want it to, and when you felt that your heart wasn't really sort of 100% in it anymore, you had to look out for yourself. And I think for a lot of founders, sometimes we tend to do a lot of work. We tend to be overworked. Um, So it's really a breath of fresh air to hear someone like you who built something successful, but uh, it was a difficult decision, but you made it anyway. And Looking at you right now, you're very successful. While this might be an obvious um, question, do you think it was all worth it? Or do you have any regrets? Um, of course, it was worth it. I mean, I had... This is, the, this is the problem with the entrepreneurial journey, right? So we build mm-hmm. a business to have a good life. But yeah. sometimes in the process of building the business, we forget to actually live a good life or live the life that we want. And that's where I found myself years ago in that business and it didn't matter if I set it on autopilot it's just Mm -hmm. if your life doesn't look like the way you want it to look like I put my bucket list on hold I never traveled to a single place in my life before Mm -hmm. uh, before I left the country like I just I didn't do anything with my life it doesn't matter how successful you are if if you don't take care of you it's not going to matter it's not going to mean anything And so, yeah, of course, it was absolutely worth it for me to walk away from that business and start the new. I mean, I found a life of travel um, that's a little bit different now, of course, with the pandemic, but Mm -hmm. still, like, I'm not packing my bags away permanently. It's more like just just (laughs) a pause. And then I started another business. And even without, you know, really focusing on the money, I'm already at the six-figure run rate this year. And I just started Mm -hmm. my agency. So it's like everything turned out better than I had hoped for and that I had even planned for because I left the country without a plan. So yes, absolutely. It was worth it. Really great. I think that's that's really, really powerful. When you also mentioned that we like it was actually the same case for me. I've worked Jomi for for 10 years in, in one of the biggest conglomerates in Asia and in the Philippines. And it came to a point also when I felt I don't think I'm happy working here anymore. I mean the company's really great. The culture was great. The, the perks and the, the salary was also okay. But you're right, when you came to a point that you want to, to find something more meaningful and 
explore life more, I think nothing should really ever stop you in doing that. So thank you for that answer and for, for being so open about that story. Jomi, obviously you seem to be a very, very experienced and seasoned entrepreneur. My question is, um, my question is, uh, what were your, your biggest mistakes as an entrepreneur? There were many. I mean, in terms of biggest, hopefully, well, thankfully, nothing that actually cost my business. But the first thing that comes to mind right now was um, early on in my business, I would make a lot of mistakes with hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> can, can you expand it's, on that? It's not easy for sure. I want to say hiring the wrong people, but with that also comes being the wrong kind of leader. And I was, I, I had both situations. I hired the wrong people. I was a crappy leader. I was a crappy leader because I had no idea what I was doing. Okay. I, okay. I, was, I was in my twenties. I, I didn't know. I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know how to build a business. I didn't know how to recruit. I didn't know anything. I had zero corporate experience. So nothing. I was coming, I okay. was coming into this with nothing. And so I made a lot of mistakes with, with HR. I didn't okay. get the right people and I get, didn't get the right people in the right seats. I didn't hire them for the right reasons. They weren't joining my company for the right reasons. And I just didn't inspire them at all as a leader. I didn't give them um, proper direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they weren't motivated except for the money okay. they, uh, that I was paying them. They weren't motivated to show up every day. So that's that's on me because that's, that's technically my job as the, yeah. as the owner of the company, as the leader is to get people so super freaking expired to show up every day and give you their best. So I didn't know that in the beginning. So that was one of my earlier failures for sure. And I would still count them as really the biggest because it was a source of headaches for quite a bit of time for me because it, it didn't click right away. I didn't, it, it was, it was a learning curve for sure. And I made a ton of mistakes around that. Well, with the benefit of hindsight, what's your advice now for, for founders or CEOs or entrepreneurs who are looking to hire and build a team? Usually when you're starting to hire, you're a small business and you have a limited budget. And the mm-hmm. urge for small business owners is to, let's find one person who can do 10 million different things. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go that route. Okay. Um, you can have an assistant. I, I'm, I'm great. Like you could have an assistant to uh, do VA virtual, you know, virtual assistance work. That's fine. But if you really want to push yourself to the next level, I would, what I would recommend is to hire uh, more seasoned people to do particular things, but fractionally. So you can mm-hmm. have like a handful of experts, let's say like a copywriter, a video person. I'm, I'm just throwing random stuff out there. Yeah, okay. um, a graphic designer, a blah, 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 whatever that is. But they do specifically is a certain specific things and just that thing. And they do it really well. And it doesn't matter if you hire them for like, I don't know, like two hours this week or like just on a, a certain project basis on a tiny retainer every month, whatever that is, figure that out mm-hmm. and you'll definitely get way better results. You do not need full-time people on your team to get you the results that you want. Yeah, that's, that's a really great advice. Uh, look for specialized skills in people that you want to be part of your team, not exactly hiring full-time right away. Yeah. So that, that's really, that's really great advice. You've mentioned quite a lot so far in our conversation about traveling the world. Uh, you look like a very adventurous person. 
Uh, I know that you are a digital nomad. I'm familiar with the term, but can you give a quick definition about that for the benefit of our listeners? Honestly, the term digital nomad is used to define a lot of travelers and a lot of people do it differently. So there isn't one definition, but basically it's anyone who identifies as a traveler for most of their days. So it Mm -hmm. means they mostly travel a lot and they're able to incorporate travel with their life, not just, oh, I take a vacation once or twice a year. So Mm -hmm. traveling is more of a way of life and not just a vacation, if that makes sense. So that's what a, a digital nomad is. Yeah. And it really sounds like living the dream, right? Um, being able to travel the world while while doing something that you love. How many countries have you been to? Do you I don't know? know. I haven't really. No, I have. I <laughs> like don't. Maybe a range. I don't actually count. I have no idea. That's a good question. I never really counted. I never really counted. Like it depends. There, I had a goal at some at one point to to visit one country a month. So I was. I think I was able to do that one country a month, and then I've been traveling now for maybe two and a half years before the pandemic started. Wow. So that's at least around, around, 30, around 30 countries. Got, yeah, around, yes, around, yes. Europe was easy because everything is, you know, <laughs> all, you all, from all one in the place same. Or yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay, let me geographically let, close together. Let, let me rephrase that question a bit. Is there any country in particular that you really love so much or is, is really very memorable for you? Oh, from oh, there's a lot. Oh my gosh, this is a tough question. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I'm gonna give you two answers. So one was um, Romania, mm-hmm. Romania, because it was the country where I first saw. Um, there, there was this castle. Uh, it's called Dracula's Castle, and when I first saw the photo of that castle, it's like, oh my gosh, I want to go there. I'm going to travel because I want to go to that castle. That's the first thing that I'm going to go to, and it actually inspired my nomadic dreams because okay. from that photo, it was on a blogger's article about being a digital nomad and I was like what in the world is a digital nomad and I didn't exactly. I didn't know I didn't know what it was and then when I read the article oh my god whatever that is I want to do that I want to be that so there it's you're, there's your eureka moment again <laughs> exactly okay. that was a random eureka moment where I decided okay. I saw a castle and I decided okay I want to do that I want to be a nomad I want to I want, I want to travel so that's that's one and second would be Georgia. Uh, it really has a really special place in my heart because it was the first country I ever went to that was really far, far away from where I was. So I was, uh, I was coming from the Philippines, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time when I was starting to be a nomad, I just thought, okay, let's take uh, one week here in Malaysia, one week there in Singapore. You know, let's just, okay. let's just do a little bit here and there, uh, a week in Bali, and then see how I feel. And then Georgia was like, okay. It's time. Let's go a little further. Wow. <laughs> Let's go a little further. And I was traveling, I was traveling on my own at the time. So it was it was scary. <laughs> it was scary and but it was it was it was worth it. So I have I have a lot of great memories in Georgia because of that. It was the first one that I did that was far away, all alone, in a in a country that didn't really speak English. <laughs> Really amazing experience, Jomi. And I think I'm starting to get a little jealous with, with your um, travel experiences. No, but I wanted to also ask, during those times, were you, were you managing a business or was it all about travel for you at that time? It started as all about travel for a bit. And then it came point where, okay, 
um, reality, reality, you know, reality kind of like slaps you. It's like, oh, hey, hang on. My savings are now dwindling down. Uh, I was still fine. I could still go on. I had two choices. Either, okay, do this until my money's all gone and then come back, you know, come back home. Because that mm-hmm. was kind of like the irresponsible decision of me. So I had this money for my business, but what was I going to do with it? Should I invest in another business or should I just go take off my bucket list and travel the world? And I was like, well, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm going to go travel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To hell with a responsible thing. I did the responsible <laughs> thing all my life. Like, I'm going to travel now. Okay, so, but in the course of that, in the course of that time, you know, your money isn't finite, right? It's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's going to run out at some point. So there was that. But at that point, I also knew that, okay, I wasn't going to just do any job. I wanted to do something that that was meaningful to me. I wanted to do like the next level, the next step. And so that's when I started experimenting with all these different, all, all these different projects that I was taking on. And mm-hmm. it kind of really snowballed from, from there. So it started from a place of, um, I had the luxury of time and also the luxury of um, savings to support me. And so I mm-hmm. could really explore what the next step was for me. Listening to that, I, I can just probably imagine that there are probably some listeners here who might be thinking, oh, I think I'd like to have that kind of life. You know, traveling different countries while running a company and earning. What is your advice for, for those who might be wondering, how can I get started or how can I actually do that, uh, Jomi, to, to be a it. digital nomad? <laughs> okay, okay. Seriously, don't overthink it. First, this you have to have. I'm not gonna lie. You're gonna have to have an income source, or if mm-hmm. you don't have, say, I, I would say start with savings first, uh, because then you're not too worried with like juggling many different things. Because that's how I started. For example, I I, I mm-hmm. tested the waters with traveling first, and it can be overwhelming if you're doing it for the first time. So I would mm-hmm. say like travel, do the travel bit first, and then add the the nomad, the, the you know the running a company or whatever it is you're doing later on. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes it a lot easier, but you do need a source of a source of income. So you have to identify what that is for you. It's not you don't need a lot actually. Um, it it really depends on what kind of lifestyle you want. Like I don't travel. I'm not a luxury nomad, for example. Mm-hmm. Like I like I I back I, I sleep in tents. I I backpack. I go on Airbnbs. You know? yeah, okay. I'm not I'm not in five star hotels. Like that's not that's not my kind of travel. That's not, yeah. that's not, that's not what I did. That's not what I, ever, that's not what I ever did. Like I liked, I liked Airbnbs because I would choose nice, um, nice homes um, by other people in areas where other locals would be. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's, okay. that, was, that, that was more my kind of thing. So um, you don't need a lot, but you do need to identify your source of income and then just do it. Don't overthink it. You're going to figure it out along the way. Um, the way I travel now is very different from how I traveled from the very beginning. I started with a gigantic suitcase. Now I have a backpack. So it <laughs> okay. changes. There's really an grow. art also, right? There's an art for traveling, I guess. Yes. <laughs> and you will learn it along the way. You can read all you want. You can study it all you want. But at the end of the day, you just have to go and do it. Just like in business. You can study mm-hmm. all you want. You can listen to all the podcasts that you want. But unless you actually get your feet wet and, you know, just just go do it. That's it. Just do it. Just start something. Just start somewhere. Take baby steps. And before you know it, I don't know, you have a business or you're a nomad, whatever it is that your goal is. Baby steps. 
100% agree. And I, I really admire the, the bravery in you and that, that courage. Yeah, but, but I think for context also, so it's not like you just got there and was able to, to build that lifestyle that you, you wanted to. Uh, there's also a lot of hard work. I can picture that with your story. There's a lot of hard work. Probably there's a lot of frustrations, as you said. A lot of heartache. A lot of mis- yeah, uh, and a lot of mistakes along the way. But uh, I think there's really a different type of fulfillment when, when you get to do something that you love. Uh, and then, you know, just just do the way you want life to be for you. Um, so that's really very inspiring, Jomi. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? I mean, probably not the nitty-gritty, but um, in terms of... I also wanted to ask, by the way, in terms of fears, you, you seem to be a very brave person. Uh, I really get that with, with all your adventures. Uh, I don't think or, I even... <laughs> okay, go ahead. Or Let's... incredibly dumb. <laughs> <laughs> there are two ways to think about it. Incredibly brave or incredibly dumb. And I would say it's half. I'm not, um, hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not afraid of using that word. Yeah. Um, because okay. it's like ignorance is, <laughs> I mean, if you're a newbie, I, and, and, and I use dumb, you know, like quote unquote, it's more like when you don't know what it is you're doing, it can be a good thing and a bad you thing. You don't know what and you don't know, right? It, uh, you can also use it to your advantage. So when you don't know what you don't know, you're also a little less afraid. <laughs> okay. You're also a little less afraid because you don't know what's how what's gonna happen on the other end. So you're able to take a little bit more risks than <laughs> than yeah, I would I... say a more a more experienced person would. So it it really depends. <laughs> it really depends on where you are in life. I would use that at, to your advantage if like you don't you have no experience and you don't know anything about what it is that you're doing. Like use that as a strength. <laughs> I, I really love that answer. I really, really love that answer. You're right. Sometimes, I think personally, I get to overthink things. Uh, I, I think as CEO, as, as founders, you, of course, want to make sure that the roadmap for the company is there. We have revenue plans. We have growth plans. But sometimes to the point that you get to miss out the enjoyment of, of that journey uh, and process. But I also wanted to ask, were you ever scared, Jomi? Uh, in all of those point? unknown uncertainties or uh, any of particular course. experience that you felt you were scared and how did you deal with it? The first big faraway travel was the scariest, at least in my in my in my journey, because I like I said, I've never I never even traveled before. I never traveled before. <laughs> and then suddenly I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. After like, you know, one, a couple of weeks here and there, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do like one month and then I'm going to seal the deal. After I do one month there, I'm going to do another month in another country. So I was like, there's no turning back. <laughs> there's okay. really no turning back. Just like, just like go for it. I don't know. With fear, fear is just, it's a thought, right? It's based on a thought that you have. And this mm-hmm. is something that, that I'm still working on, to be honest. So when you have a fear that you can't shake, just tell yourself a different story because you know that that fear is based on a story in your head, right? So change mm-hmm. the story. You don't have to lie to yourself and change it completely, you know, but, you know, edit it a little bit. So you can, you, yeah. can, you can smooth the edges a little bit and make it less scary, less scary enough for you to say, okay, my heart is beating so fast, but I'm fine. I'm alive. I can handle this. Yeah, I got this. And then then you can go despite the fear because there's a fear where it's like you're just crippled you can't do anything okay that that's not that's not going to yeah. help you mm-hmm. so tell yourself a different story until that fear goes down a notch or two and you can actually move forward that's really fascinating and i totally agree in fact in my own case i would always say life is all about a matter of perspectives 
It's all about what you think of things and what you feed your mind and what mindset yeah. do you have in, in things, right? But that's, that's really powerful. Uh, we're now going to work towards wrapping up. Uh, but I also wanted to talk to you a bit more about your major, a major life milestone and blessing that you have. Um, you're currently living in Germany and you recently gave birth to a beautiful boy, right? Yes, yes. I want January. to ask, well, first of all, congratulations. Uh, I want you. to ask, how does becoming a mom affect everything about what you do as a founder, as a traveler, as a CEO? It makes everything harder. Okay. <laughs> Two things, okay. It makes everything harder and also makes me more focused. It makes everything harder because freedom is a big thing for me, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. freedom is like one of the most important things in my life, probably the most important. Now, with a child, that changes because mm -hmm. although I am free, not really. Like, he's now my boss. <laughs> yeah, the real boss. He's the real now CEO. my boss. <laughs> he is exactly, he's the real CEO. So there's a lot of um, adjustment period there. And it makes me, it makes it a lot harder for me to work on my business or to work on my life the way I want to, because, you know, it, that's no longer the top priority. The top priority is now my mm -hmm. child. So that's a struggle there. And the second would be, it also makes me more focused because now that my child is my priority, I have even more limited time for my business and for mm. other things. And so when I know that, okay, I have one or two hours to work today and that's it, what can mm -hmm. I do in those one to two hours that has the most impact to my business? And it works. <laughs> If you okay. give yourself just a limited amount of time to do the heavy lifts in your business, you're going to get it done. Facebook is going to disappear from your life. <laughs> okay. Netflix is going to disappear from your life and all the other useless stuff that doesn't move the needle forward. They're going to disappear okay. because you just do not have the time for it. So I would say that that's the biggest benefit as well. And the biggest change mm -hmm. um, is getting even more laser focused. And I already had a pretty good work-life balance in the past, mm -hmm. but now it's Probably even more so. Or... Yeah. <laughs> because okay. like I said, I have one to two hours a day to work on my business and that's it. The rest is, you know, life. No, I agree. We all have like 24 hours in a day, but uh, people use it differently. And I think it was Elon Musk who said, if you give yourself one year to do something, of course, you'll do it differently. But it's different when you like give yourself like one week or even one day mm. and, and results will be dramatically changed, right? Um, just to give a little more picture, what does your day look like now? Like what time do you wake up? Do you even... Uh, sleep so as you said you probably have like what two hours of working how is it right now yeah so um i set aside i actually have i actually work in time blocks so i set aside in my calendar it's supposed to be four hours of like work but it never mm -hmm. happens that way <laughs> it never happens that way i have like two hours in the morning two hours in the afternoon okay but i end up working one hour in the morning one hour in the afternoon because the second hour he's hungry or something <laughs> okay. wants me because he's still young he's in his first year so yeah they're, they're very needy to their mamas and i have to be flexible with that so i am flexible with my schedule because of that and i'm quite thankful that i, I am actually able to do that that the work that i have now you know allows me to do that so yeah no, I sleep really uh, but Go ahead. you know still um like they're more like naps during the night but it's enough it's enough 
No, no, really amazing what you do. Uh, really very inspiring. A lot of a lot of wisdom from your story and experiences and tips. So we're we're now going to move to the last part of the show, Jomi. Uh, this is a segment I call the finish line. So the, the show is called Brand Start. So this segment towards the last part is something I call finish line. Uh, basically, I'll be asking you five questions that you can answer straightforwardly. So you know this is as if we're now running towards the finish line. Okay. 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 Here it goes. First question: One characteristic that an entrepreneur must have to succeed. Creative. Okay, that's an interesting answer. Second is book or books that you want to recommend for entrepreneurs to read. Oh gosh, so many. First, uh, the Bible, Rich Dad Poor Dad. That's same. the Bible. Start with that. No, interesting. It's the same for me. No, not 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 for anything. It's really the same for me. I'm I'm a very biblical person, and Rich Dad Poor Dad was the book that also opened my mind to explore the the world of entrepreneurship. So thanks for that, Jomi. Third question. How do you define success? Success is when your life looks exactly how you want it to look like. That's powerful. Fourth question, what is next for Jomi Casas and just rent a COO? Oh, that's just the first of the companies that I am going to be building. There are going to be more. That's so exciting. And I'm pretty sure it will all be successful. And I'm really looking forward to that. Lastly, finally, Jomi, why do you think someone should start his or her own brand? It's the best way to be paid for being you and for what you're good at. Thank you so much for those answers, Jomi. It has really been a wonderful interview. I'm sure our listeners, including myself, have learned a lot from, from this episode. Thank you so much for your generosity. But before we end this, can you share with us where is the best place for people to learn about you and your company? Yeah, so uh, check out my website. It's just rentacoo.com. Or if you're on social, Facebook and Instagram, just look for me, Jomi Casas, add me, follow me. I'll be there. We'll make sure to link that up in our show notes. Once again, thank you so much, Jomi, for your time. All the best and may God bless you. Thank you so much, Leonard. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Brand Story. And I truly appreciate you for making me a part of your day. I hope you can share this with a friend and leave a review. That will help us reach more people and improve our show. Be sure to also subscribe so you won't miss an episode. This show is produced by our company, The Vineyard Brand Consultancy, a branding and communications agency that can help you create and grow your brand. Learn more about us by visiting www.thevineyardbc.com. Before I say goodbye, I hope you are closer in taking that first step in pursuing your entrepreneurial dream. Until then, this has been Leonard Grape reminding you to always dare to dream big.